0: live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia. This is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host Blake here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild, season 4, episode 9. This is your host Blake. MLS Match Week 3 is in the books. It featured a Snow Classico, F bombs from the MVP a banner unveiling for the reigning MLS Cup champs, if you can even call it that. FC Cincinnati snapped their 14-game winless streak. Charlotte FC scored their inaugural MLS goal. The most expensive transfer in league history, Thiago Almeida, made his debut for Atlanta United. Jim Curtin won his 100th match as head coach of the Philadelphia Union, and 39 goals were scored across this weekend's slate of games. All that plus so much more in this episode. Today, guys, it's just me, the mic, and 14 matches to get through. The goal is to provide you guys with thorough two-minute recaps of each match. If you know me, that's going to be quite difficult to do, but I'll try to keep it short, sweet, to the point, and detailed enough so you get an idea of what the game entailed. Up first, New York City FC versus CF Montreal. New York City FC returned to Yankee Stadium for the first time since hoisting the MLS Cup last year, and what was supposed to serve as a momentous celebration turned into the laughing stock of MLS Twitter. To commemorate the team's first ever trophy, a banner was to be unveiled, but when I think of banners, I think of what teams like Boston Celtics or the LA Lakers have hanging from the rafters. But instead, NYCFC unveiled a 3x5 poster made at Kinkos probably about an hour before kickoff. Funniest tweets of the weekend go to Union Lucky Baby Dad, it's quite the name, who says they printed it on a Dude Wipe love that. (laughs) And MLS nut who says NYCFC banner is a good decision, undo zip ties and move (laughs) to their four other stadiums this year. Both hilarious fair play to both of you. Let's, uh, let's keep it moving to the soccer. NYCFC and CF Montreal were coming off midweek CCL action. Roster rotation was uh, a bit different for both of these teams. NYCFC made one change to their midweek starting 11, whereas Club de Foot Montreal rotated six pairs of fresh legs to start this one. After just 20 minutes, NYC FC led 2-0 thanks to goals from Collins and Santhi Rodriguez. Montreal had to chase the game and try to spoil the championship celebration with a goal of their own in the 52nd minute, but a lethargic start and mistakes playing out of the back were too much for Club de Foot Montreal to overcome. New York City FC earned their first MLS win of 2022, defeating CF Montreal 4-1. Now, over to lower.com field, where the Columbus crew take on TFC in their first of two Trillium Cup matches of 2022. Both teams were looking to bounce back from disappointing week two results as TFC were pressed into submission by the New York Red Bulls, losing 3 0, while the Columbus crew gave up two late set piece goals to Francisco Calvo that allowed the Earthquakes to salvage a point at home. The crew found themselves trailing in this one after just 14 minutes, thanks to an incredibly poor display of second ball set piece defending. TFC's new Spanish striker, Jesus Jimenez, took advantage of a ball-watching back line and headed home the opening goal of this match. Jimenez's signing has obviously been overshadowed by the business TFC did to get Insigne, but Jimenez has proven to be quite the underrated signing with three goal contributions in three matches. TFC crowded the midfield in the counter press, set up shop in the 5-4-1 defensively, and proved hard to break down over the first 30 minutes of this one. But as the game grew on, Caleb Porter pushed the midfield higher, pushed their right wing back deeper with the use of Etienne, and the crew took control over the last 60 minutes. Both Lucas el and Derek Etienne Jr. continued their incredible run of early season form by each recording a goal and an assist in this one. Etienne heard the assignment of needing more production from the winger positions, and he took that personally. Two goals and two assists in three games. He looks like one of the best wingers MLS through three matches. As for Lucas Zellerian, he was just doing Zellerian things per usual. His 56th minute banger is his 14th from outside the 18. To provide context, he has 22 goals in black and gold. That goal also makes him the third player to score three goals from outside the box in a two-match span in the last decade, tied with David Beckham and Sebastian Giovinco. Shout out to Off the Jack for that stat. Crew take all three points in this one and move to the top of the Eastern Conference table through 3 weeks. Speaking of David Beckham, Inter Miami's offseason provided one of the biggest roster overhauls in MLS history and so far they have one point and a negative 6 goal differential to show for it. Uh yikes. To make things worse, it seems as though Inter Miami's head coach Phil Neville is publicly using Gonzalo Higuaín as a scapegoat saying and I quote I just wanted more quality from my quality players. Every team we've played against, their quality players stand up and score. Ours don't, and they need to. Mm. Well, Iguain is playing more as a playmaking 10 rather than his natural 9 position, and he is creating plenty of chances as he sits third in the league on 3.7 key passes per match. I don't know. Iguain's attitude may not be great, but this can't all fall on him, right? Anyways, in a miami fall to LAFC 2-0, Vela started and went 70 minutes, and LAFC sit atop the Western Conference on 7 points, not much more to it than that. If Phil Neville doesn't look himself in the mirror and begin to get some positive results, he may be gone by early summer, well, that's if his boy David Beckham can do that to him. From one of the most dysfunctional organizations in the league to arguably the best team of the last decade, the Seattle Sounders took on LA Galaxy in what was one of the most anticipated matches of the weekend. Entering this week's match, the Sounders hadn't scored a goal and were 0-2 to start the year. That's not something we're accustomed to saying for a Brian Schmetzer coach Sounders team. Despite playing a CCL match versus Leon on Tuesday... The Sounders started the same exact 11 versus the Galaxy, showing intentions to turn around their poor start to MLS play. The Galaxy dominated the ball, and to be quite honest with you, they dominated the match as well, but they lost on a PK and two set pieces. Mm, Soccer can be brutal sometimes, but that's the beautiful game that we love. LA do play some beautiful soccer, though, and it was on full display during the 13-pass buildup that led to Chicharito's sixth-minute goal. Champagne football at its finest there. Speaking of Raheem Edwards, who provided the hockey assist on that goal. Quick fact from our boys over at OptiJack, once again, shout out to them. Edwards is the fourth player in the last 20 seasons to record an assist in each of his first three games with a new team. Oh, yeah, and he is doing it at the position that he's not a natural at, quite the Swiss Army knife he is. All in all, this result says a lot about the kind of culture Brian Schmetzer has created in Seattle. Even when they play poorly, they still find a way to get results. That's the definition of a good team. The Sounders just win, baby. I will preface this next game with this. If you listened to my MLS season preview with Tom Bogert and heard my hot take that the Vancouver Whitecaps would win MLS Cup, well, I look like an idiot three matches in. Vanny Sartini and company have one point and a negative five goal differential and have played three different formations through three matches. They're one team that I look at and I'm like, who are you? The Sartini honeymoon phase is over, and now this team is in a full blown identity crisis. This team is dead last in big chances created and second to last in average possession per match on 38.2%. To provide context, the other teams near the bottom of that possession stat are teams like the New York Red Bulls, Philadelphia Union, and the Portland Timbers. All teams that have clear principles of play, they don't need the ball 45% or more of the ball to produce. They beat you on the high press and the counterattack. The Whitecaps? Well, they're 25th in the league in possession one in the final third, which tells me they aren't high pressing or counterattacking. I'm not sure who they are. And well, to be quite frank, neither are they. As far as the Houston Dynamo go, thank God first-year head coach Paulo Nagamora finally started Coco Karaskia and Darwin Quintero together. Coco brought a much-needed spark to the Dynamo midfield, providing five-shot-creating actions and a hockey assist to Darwin Quintero. Darwin, well, he looked like the guy who lit MLS on fire between 2018 and 2020 when he recorded 28 goals and 30 assists in that span. That's crazy. His two-goal performance earned him MLS Team of the Week honors, and his 50th-minute rocket should absolutely be Goal of the Week. If you haven't checked that goal out, go find it on YouTube. The Dynamo take this one, 2-1 over the Whitecaps, earning Paulo Nagamora his first win as the head coach of the Dynamo. First win for Paulo Nagamura, 100th win for Jim Curtin. First of all, congrats to Jim Curtin. That's one hell of an accomplishment. When considering this accomplishment, keep in mind that he is the 10th MLS coach to hit the century mark in under 250 matches. Okay, so he wins efficiently. He's also the second youngest to reach the milestone at 42 years and I believe it's 263 days old now. One more thing. He's done it completely differently. He plays the kids, and he plays the diamond. Very few teams or coaches can say that, if any. Jim, you only got 141 more games to go to tie the GOAT, Bruce Arena. Now to the players. I know fans were hoping to see new DP striker number nine, Michael Ur, make his debut versus a wide-open earthquake squad, but unfortunately, he picked up a quad injury in training during the week. Instead, Philly fans got Sergio Santos and Corey Burke. It's good to have options, and even better to have ones that can create chances for your team. Philly opened the scoring in the 23rd minute thanks to Santos' speed to blow by Jackson Yule, get in line, and set his strike partner up for the tap-in game-winning goal. Gosdok provided the insurance goal from the spot in the 58th. As I mentioned earlier, Philadelphia don't need the majority of possession to beat you. The less they have the ball, the better for all they care. It's what they do when they can turn you over that counts. The Quakes outpossessed the Union 69-31, to yet the Union put six shots on target to the Quakes' one- Possession matter, folks. You can't tell me otherwise. It's just what you do with it that matters. Not only has Jim Curtin developed the young players that have played for him, he's also developing assistants and head coaches. Pat Noonan, Philadelphia Union's assistant coach under Jim Curtin from 2018 through 2021, earned his first win as an MLS coach with FC Cincinnati over the weekend. Not only was it Noonan's first win, the win also snapped FC Cincinnati's 14-match winless streak dating back to September 11th of 2021. For the second time in three matches, Brandon Vasquez and Dom Baggi have started together up top. Their off-the-ball movement to create space for one another to run into and create angles to receive the final pass was on full display on this one. On the first goal, Baji's diagonal run across the back line held Janssen's attention for just long enough to create a passing lane for Lucho to find Vasquez, and on the second, Vasquez forced Janssen to react to his run in the 18, stopped to create the angle, and Baji fired it off his head into the back of the net. Don't know how Vasquez isn't on concussion protocols, to be honest. Lucho is continuing to pull the strings for FCC as he ranks second amongst all MLS players with 4.3 key passes per match. Alec Khan stood on his head at times throughout this match, recording five saves. Huge game for him. He showed his quality and exactly why FCC acquired him in the offseason. As far as Orlando City, well, their fans have to be disappointed in the result, first and foremost. And to be honest with you, I'm more concerned about this team's attack. 27 crosses were served in from wide areas for Orlando City, 10 of them from Juan alone. He completed just two of them. Don't get me wrong. I love how involved Juan is when he's in the attack but his lack of quality service and at times Orlando's lack of ideas elsewhere are quite concerning. Facundo Torres looks like he's still building chemistry in the attack and so does their new number nine striker Cara. but I get it. The David Goss theorem is for real. Don't panic yet Orlando fans. Oscar Pereja will figure it out. As for FCC they return home to face a bloodied and battered inter-Miami squad could be an opportunity to add another three points. The 2021 Supporters Shield-winning Revs took their first L over the weekend in a Snow Classico versus Real Salt Lake, who apparently are really freaking good in the snow. RSL are 5-1-0, all-time playing with the orange ball in play. Impressive, right? Early in the match, Arnor Tristesen was making Snow Angels, and then after the match, reigning MLS MVP, Carlos Hill was asking why they didn't, and I quote here, stop the fucking match. That was the most memorable post-game interview I've seen in quite a while. A good win for RSL, but the conditions and rotated revs roster provide excuses and take away from their win. But that's seven points in three matches for RSL. They sit second in the West behind LAFC on goal differential. Not a bad start for them. Paulo Nagamora and Pat Noonan weren't the only two coaches to get their first wins over the weekend. Chicago Fire head coach Ezra Hendrickson won his first MLS match. As head coach of the Chicago Fire with their 2-0 win over D.C. United, the Fire have yet to give up a goal, making 17-year-old Gaga Slanina only the sixth goalie in league history to record a clean sheet in each of his team's first three games of the season. Folks, Slanina ain't going to be in MLS for long. Appreciate him while we got him. He's going to be headed to Europe, and they're going to come with the whole bag for the six-foot-four homegrown from Addison, Illinois. DC United hadn't given up a goal coming into this match, but the Chicago Fire attack exposed DC's back three on both of their goals. In both instances, DC's back three were focused on the ball side, allowing Fire's weak side winger to find the space off their back shoulder, and it's just easy from there. The first goal came off a Shakiri pass, but it was deflected off a DC defender, so Shaqtown still hasn't found the score sheet through three weeks. That's a little surprising. Welcome to the league, Alan Velasco. The commentator said it best after his goal. You only get a chance to make a first impression one time. The $7 million man did just that 23 minutes after making his debut for FC Dallas. He received the ball in the half turn, dribbled 60 yards shaking off Dave Romney and Anibal Godoy in the process, and scored the insurance goal off the crossbar and down. FC Dallas limited both CJ Sapong and Honey Mokhtar to their fewest touches this season so far. Zapong touched the ball just 16 times and Mukhtar just 40. 21-year-old homegrown Edwin Cerillo did a wonderful job closing the gaps that Mukhtar usually runs into. Nashville's left back Daniel Lovitz was forced to play more of a defensive role with Paul Areola keeping him honest on that side of the ball. Great tactical performance from Dallas. Welcome to the Wild West, Nashville. There will be bumps. There will be bruises. But Gary Smith has you all made for this. You'll be fine. FC Dallas hand Nashville their first loss of 2022 with the final score. Of 2 0. The Rapids had a rough start to life in 2022. They were the lone team to bow out of CCL in the first round, and in the same week, they opened their MLS season with a 3 0 loss to LAFC. Things have improved since then for the Burgundy Boys, though. In back to back weeks, they have defeated Atlanta United and Sporting Kansas City, scoring five goals and conceding zero. It seems as though Robin Frazier has the boys back on track and looking like the team that finished first in the West in 2021. Replicating success in MLS is so difficult to do, and I've had my concerns about Sporting Kansas City's ability to do so from the start. Johnny Russell and Daniel Shallowy combined for 31 goals last year. Can they maintain that pace? I really don't think so. couple of my thoughts on their production, Alan Polito being out for the season, and not seeing Gadi Kinda, I'm pretty concerned about Sporting Kansas City. The Rapids continue to climb up the Western Conference standings with a 2-0 win over SKC. The last game on Saturday night between the Portland Timbers and Austin FC was the match I was most excited to watch this weekend. Portland entered the match battle-tested after earning ties versus the New England Revolution and LAFC in the first two weeks. Austin FC entered this match as the team with the most goals through two weeks in MLS history after putting up 10 goals on FCC and Inter-Miami. Tactically, this matchup was interesting because it was possession with a purpose. Austin FC, who have averaged 59% possession through three matches. First, the counter-attacking two blocks of four system that Gio Savarese plays. A couple questions needed to be answered as well. Can Austin FC do what they did to FCC and enter miami versus a good team? And can a pair of backup center backs and Zach McGraw and Bill Loma successfully direct the defense versus a team that has put up 10 goals in two matches? Well, Portland scored the lone goal in this one on a set piece that found the head of Bill Loma in the 62nd minute, and that's all that was needed to separate these two teams. This one just about went as expected with Austin FC controlling the majority of possession and Portland sitting in two mid to low blocks of four and countering at pace. Portland are really, really good and so are Austin FC and I would probably even say that this is a good loss for Austin FC. Now on to our Sunday slate of games. First up, Atlanta United played host to Charlotte FC in a match that MLS pundits want to be a rivalry so badly. And so does Osvaldo Alonso because, well, of course he does. Bank of America Stadium opened their doors to 74,000 Charlotte FC fans last weekend for the inaugural home match. And this weekend provided another memorable moment. Just two minutes after Atlanta United took the lead, Charlotte FC responded with a goal of their own. Not just any goal, their inaugural MLS goal, thanks to a wonderfully whipped in corner from Ben Bender that found the head of 19-year-old North Carolina born and raised, Adam Armour. Who would have thought the inaugural Charlotte FC goal would be assisted by the number one pick in this year's Super Draft and headed home by a local kid? I wouldn't have thought it. What a story that is. Charlotte FC actually looked good in this game, and they deserved a point, but instead of settling for the point, like I think they should have, they began to press and switch to what looked like the back three in hopes of stealing all three points, and that proved to be the difference in this one at the death. In the 96th minute, Marcelino Moreno found left-footed Jake Mulroney on the corner, wide open, and isolated on the right side with only Christian Fuchs to beat. The rest is history. Atlanta United win their inaugural matchup for Charlotte FC 2-1. to Last but not least, Minnesota United defeat red-hot New York Red Bulls 1-0 thanks to a player of the week performance from Dane St. Clair who recorded an astounding eight saves. The Loons earned their first win of the season and handed the Red Bulls their first loss of 2022. Holy smokes, I can breathe. Guys, we made it through 14 matches in what looks like about 22 minutes. That's pretty crazy. I don't know how I did that. I'm out of breath, but. Listeners, thanks for tuning in to MLS Gone Wild, Season 4, Episode 9. I tried something different this week by recapping every match in under two minutes. If you know me, I can be rather long-winded, so that isn't easy. A lot of work went into this one from watching every match, reading recaps, and preparing my own game-by-game rundown. So if you guys could, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, wherever you guys listen to podcasts, and be sure to hop on Twitter and tell me your thoughts on the episode as well. Your feedback is more than appreciated and always welcomed. Anyways, guys, another full slate of games this weekend, kicking off at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday and wrapping up early Monday morning for us East Coasters. Enjoy all the action, and even if you can't, I'll be here with the recaps next week. Talk soon.